Oh, hello, humans. Welcome back to another episode of Okotelo at Work with me, your host, Emery. Um, today, I've got uh, Joanna Hotong on the show today. Um, and if the name sounds very familiar, um, that there is a reason. Um, we actually had uh, Sophia uh, on the podcast. Now, ooh, would it be maybe a year and a half maybe two years ago now, uh, a, a, a while back um, on, on the show before. Um, and I'm just kind of going around the family and being very lazy of my guest. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, Joanna, welcome to the show. Uh, you also have got a wonderful story uh, and really insightful perspective that I, I really want to bring your voice on um, to the show. So first of all, welcome to the p- podcast. Um, say hi to your listeners. Tell everyone uh, a little bit about yourself. Thank you very much. It's it's really great to be here, and I'm I'm very happy to be following in the footsteps of my daughter. That's that's great news. <laughs> so I'm Joanna Houghton. I um, I've been working in education for many many years. I started my career actually in corporate in the corporate world um, in management consulting. My first job was actually Marks and Spencer graduate training program, wow. which was which was fun in London head office, and then I went to work for PwC. And then what happened really was with with young children, I realized that I just didn't want to spend so much time traveling. I knew I wanted to work. I love work. I love being in business. I love all of the the challenges and the excitement that it brings. But of course, being a mum does change your life. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I wanted to find a way that I could work, but that I could also spend time with my children. And um, I think we're, we're a mixed race family. We're part Chinese, part um, part Western, British, and other nationalities, and I think that adds it sort of adds a level of possibly complications to the situation because when you're thinking about schools, when you're thinking about um, what languages your children should speak and read and write, and all of these things, it's it, it seems important to um, to cram your kids' heads as full of knowledge as you possibly can <laughs> and draw upon all of these cultural influences. But it, it just makes things a little more complicated. And so we decided to send our children to local kindergarten, local Cantonese-speaking kindergarten. And in fact, this is, I think, one of the decisions that sort of informed a lot of what I went on to do later because we really value, I really value the... The, the local education system for many reasons. I, I really value the, the the discipline, the respect for other people, the the focus on academics, um, the importance placed upon education. I think these are all really wonderful and important things. Mm. And of course, we did it because we wanted our children to learn Cantonese. Sadly, that didn't work out so well, but that's another story. So Sophia's going to be sitting here listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, so to, to cut a long story short, that was the beginning of their education. And it actually set me up, off on my path of being involved in education because I realized that those decisions we had made in themselves were important. But there's a whole lot more to education than just the things I've said. Mm. And um, it soon became apparent that while they were receiving the benefits of discipline and respect and all of these things, there was a whole lot else that was missing. Mm-hmm. And the part that was missing was the, was the individuality of education and the, the creativity, the ability to think for yourself, the ability to express yourself as a, as a human being and not have to just be part of the same, same thing that everybody else is doing. So that's really how it sort of started for me. Mm-hmm. 
And I guess my my children have kind of been guinea pigs ever since then. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's the way to do it. Um, so you, you mentioned actually something that's quite interesting. You mentioned about... Um, the I guess the the Asian and the, and the Western style of learning, right? Um, that actually echoes a lot of the work that I do in my consultancy. Is that a lot of the time I'm trying to talk about DNI in Hong Kong, obviously, uh, but the general I think the general impression or the general way has been packaged, if you like. Um, a lot of it has been very Westernized. Um, the material, um, yes. the concepts. Um, so a lot of the times I'm always talking about in the work, especially kind of where I'm looking at my perspective, is that actually I do see a lot of relevance in DNI when it comes to the Chinese values. The things you said, living as a collective, um, respect for other people. So there are little things that's you know that that is also actually a lot closer to Chinese values than the Western values. Um, mm. But I have to say, when it comes to let's say a key topic in DNI, allyship. Um, Allyship, the way it's being done in the West, is not going to be working in, in, in Hong Kong or in Asia. Uh, and that's something that's really interesting that you mentioned is in terms of the way we are, basically culturally, how we are taught growing up. Most people in Hong Kong are not told to express themselves. It's not a rightly or wrong thing. It's just culture. It's just the way it is. Um, so I, I, I'd love for you to speak a little bit more about kind of just how you see that for you as well, experience different cultures, how you drew inspirations from both and how did you also kind of realise, ah, there's actually good for, for both sides, not just the one? I think, yeah, I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. We can't just take initiatives from other cultures and other countries and believe that just because we think they're right, that they will work. That I think that is a, a real problem and it often happens that way. It's a bit like that sort of that trope where if you say something loud enough in English, you know, the other person will understand you, even if they can't understand English, right? It really doesn't work that way. You have to really understand the culture that you're working with. And you have to understand that, you know, that their, their DNA, the, the all the lessons that they grew up with, that, you know, lessons from their religion, from their parents, from their schooling, from so many strands that make us who we are. You cannot just transplant things and put them into other cultures. So, and I think it does help. It helps when you're mixed race. You at least have an understanding of two, if not more, mm. ways of thinking. And in fact, that's often a, 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 it creates conflict in yourself sometimes because you don't know where you, where you belong to. You know, you don't know where you identify. And when you have children... They sometimes face these issues. They're not sure where they identify. And, and hopefully in the end, if you can sort of talk these things out and if you can communicate well, people can sort them out to make them work for themselves. And, you know, it'll be different for each person. But very much my philosophy is ideally to take the best from Asian culture and the best from Western culture and try and bring them together while recognising that you can't just say to people, oh, gosh, you have to be much more candid in your feedback or you have to be much more outspoken. No wonder they're walking all over you. It's because you didn't speak up. I find that kind of comment deeply unhelpful because it actually just makes the person feel worse. Mm, it makes it feel even more inferior. Exactly. If you're already feeling a sense of shame about something, I know I should be sticking up for myself here. I know that this is not right. You already know that if you already know that and then someone says to you, do this, 
And that's not something that you find easy to do. It really isn't helping the situation. So I think there has to be a huge amount of empathy and understanding and communication. Mm. And it's cross-generational as well. That's one of the other very important areas that we need to look at. And it takes time and it takes effort and it takes a willingness to be interested and even trying to behave in that way. So, so yes, I've tried, you know, I feel like I've sort of tried my whole life to, to create environments, whether they're for young people or for, for peer, my, you know, my, my adult peers or, or even my bosses uh, or people that I'm working with to try and at least have open communication and feel supported, feel supported that I may say something that you don't like or vice versa, or I may say something that you don't understand, or I may behave in a way that you find frustrating, Mm. but that we can somehow work it out together based on a a, a level of mutual understanding. Yeah. Yeah. I find it so funny how, um, you know, now, now, you know, now I'm working and, you know, I think when you're when you're a kid, you you kind of almost not sold a dream, but you are like, okay, when you're an adult, you can do whatever you know within reason, do what you like, um, you know, working in your own terms, things like that. Uh, but in reality, when you're working in a, in a company, especially let's say in a large MNC and a large corporate, they want you to do things in a certain way. And yeah. There's usually no room for creativity or no room for flexibility in terms of the way we work, the hours we work, for example, or even, you know, physically where I'm going to work. And that's been a debate as well, right, um, in the last couple of years because of COVID and, and you know, all the rest of that. Um, yeah. But it's, it's so funny how actually I can see maybe perhaps you drew a lot of inspirations from from the education system into the workplace. Um, and mm. you spoke about a lot of this. Um, I, I was recently at a SCAP um, event and I, and I heard you spoke um, and you talked all, basically a lot around the safe environment, creating that environment for people to speak up. Um, so is that what you meant? Uh, and could you explain a little bit more to, to our listeners today about kind of what you mean by creating a safe environment? Mm. Those words are really powerful for me. When I was young, I was very shy. You know, I was one of those kids who didn't uh, really speak up. Mm. You know, I was, I was sort of a good student, did what I was told, found it difficult to speak up. It's taken me years and years and years to get to the point where I can speak up at a panel, at the, you know, at an SCMP summit. But I th- think the reason why I've been able to is because I have been lucky and I've been working well, studying in and working in and surrounded by people who I felt were listening to me. And mm. even if they didn't agree with me, they would give me constructive feedback rather than make me feel blamed or ashamed or any of these sort of more negative emotions. So yes, I think it's really important to, you know, a safe environment at school, a safe environment at work, it can be, it can be artificially created. Mm-hmm. You know, we could, for example, there's this thing like the friendship bench. Some schools have this, a friendship bench. If you don't have any friends to play with, you can go and sit on this bench and, supposedly, if other children see you sitting on it, they'll go over and play with you, oh, right? Okay. okay, so I think it's an absolutely lovely idea, but like most human ideas, it can go wrong as well, because if you're the only one sitting on the bench, people can walk past and look at you and call you a loser, mm. right? So you really have to, it's, it's not as simple as just defining what a safe space is. You have to figure out how to create it so that mm. people genuinely do feel safe. And... On the Asian side of things, we we are very respectful of seniority. We're very respectful of age. 
We're very respectful. I mean, we still have gender imbalance. Um, you know, there are multiple areas that people find it difficult to actually um, empathize with each other as equals yes. and actually put ourselves into someone else's shoes and think, oh, actually, yes, I can see why you would feel unsafe in that kind of environment. So, I, so yes, I think it's, it's really about telling people that they can speak to you or telling people that they can do a certain thing, but then meaning it, mm. right? It's not just words. You have to build trust. It's all based on trust. If you say one thing yes. and then yeah. do another, that is so incredibly harmful, not just for you as individuals, but for the environment that you're trying to create for the, for the business or for the school or whatever environment you're in. So I think it takes a lot of thought mm. to actually set up a culture or set up an environment where, you know, you know that you can say something to your boss yeah. or your boss can say something to you or you can say something to a colleague or you can behave in a certain way and know that people aren't going to make fun of you. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that people are talking a lot about nowadays is failure. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people who was always terrified to fail. Okay. Right? It's it's shameful to fail. You don't want people to know that you're not good at something or that you screwed up on something or that you actually you weren't a very good businesswoman after all or whatever it is. You know, mm. you sort of have this image of yourself which you think other people have of you. Yes. Yeah. Right? Which is often wrong. <laughs> and we basically live in this bubble of just perspectives. Yes. Because we have our own version of ourselves, but we also have different people's version of ourselves and we're constantly trying to live up to that. And that's where failure comes from, right? When there's a misalignment between exactly the, yeah. and of course we overthink we overthink to ourselves i remember there was this one thing that someone once told me which is so powerful and quite funny and i always remember it when you take a group photo right if you're in a group okay. photo and then you have a look at the photo what do you do immediately you look at yourself right yeah and you, and you think oh my god i look awful in this photo you know and you're really annoyed that you look so bad but that's the point Everybody is just looking at themselves. No one is looking at you. No one's interested in you in that photo, mm. right? And I think once you sort of get past that, once you realize that actually no one is as invested in your shame <laughs> as you are, yeah. right? it's actually really empowering. It helps you so much and frees you so much to be able to speak up and be who you are, whatever that means. Yeah. I, I love that. And um, I also kind of, in, in the best way possible, it's almost like no one really cares about you that much in, yes. in the best way possible. Exactly. Uh, as much as yes. we think, you know, you, I, I always say this, like, even let's say the closest friends or the your family, they may not care about you as much as you think they care about you in the best way possible. Uh, and that's just human nature. Um, yeah. and I think because of, let's say the, the fear of not living up to expectation, right. And that's where trust comes in. That's why it's so important that you're able to be, you know, in a workplace scenario, the easiest thing would be giving out an idea without feeling, Oh, am I going to be judged? Or am I going to be laughed at? What's my manager going to say? What's my peers going to say? Um, yeah. and that's kind of what we mean by having trust, right. And, and, and that's yeah. the, the foundation of it. Um, yeah. but, um, in the Asian culture, is super, super hard to basically say you don't know. Um, I think we yeah. are not taught to say we don't know things. We, we are taught to, we have to know everything. Especially to the best of our abilities. Yeah. 
Yes, especially the senior person. It's yes. this, and actually, that puts so much pressure on the senior person. Oh, absolutely. How, how can one person know everything? You know, even if you're the chairman or the CEO of a big company, the expectation on that person to know everything—it's impossible. Yeah, it's enormous, and and it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because it's like completely untrue. But so. You know, I think in that way, COVID was actually quite helpful because mm. genuinely the whole world genuinely could say, I mean, everyone, politicians, business people, all ages, everyone could say, we don't have the foggiest idea what is going on and what we're going to do about it. And of course, some people would pontificate and and make decisions about things and they make mm-hmm. maybe the right decision, maybe the wrong decision, which is actually what life is, right? You do the best that you can with the information that you have available. And I, but I, I feel like, you know, even in Asian culture, I feel like there is a movement towards more openness. It's, mm. it's about transparency. It's you're not weak if you ask for more opinions. You're yeah. not weak if you don't know anything. And we mentioned generational issues earlier. Mm. This is really a, a, an issue in Hong Kong. I, mean, I feel it myself. Okay. You know, I, I feel with with generational factors you've got some very, very deeply rooted behaviours in older people, obviously, because they've been behaving that way for so many years. And then we have multiple generations now. You know, we have new generations. It used to be one generation every 30 years. Mm-hmm. So if you were speaking to, to, say, your grandparents' generation, it wasn't... The, the, the generation gap was there, mm-hmm. but it wasn't as vast now. But now we have generations every 10, 10, 10 to 15 years. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you might have actually four or five generations in between a brand new recruit to a company and, you know, a board member, say. And that gap is actually really, um, it's detrimental to communication and therefore potentially very detrimental to a company. And this is an area that I'm really focused on right now. I'm really interested in that dynamic. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in the most senior so-called important people of a company, mm-hmm. and then those fresh graduates or those new people that are coming in at the very bottom level, so to speak, because yeah. they are also they've also been recruited because they supposedly are the best of the of the young people, yeah. right? Yeah. Some of the, peers, yeah. yeah, some of the recruitment procedures we have now are so intense; it's crazy. So they've they've come into the company, they've passed all of these tests and they've been selected and like, yay, I'm in. And that the expectation is so high. But then I feel like they often hit a a, a sort of a brick wall, you know, and it it works two ways. You know, this is not about who's right or who's wrong. It's about senior people really understanding how to listen and how to understand all of those skills and perspectives that those young people bring into the company, they need to. Mm. If they don't understand, you know, if I'm on the the board of a company and I don't understand the benefits of AI, Mm -hmm. or at least I don't understand, you know, how AI could actually transform my company, my company's in trouble. But having said that, at at the sort of younger end, they've got to know how to speak in a way that the senior management team will listen, right? They can't just come in and be and expect people to listen to them because they're smart and young and because they know what AI is, for example. Mm. They've actually got to, they've got to learn how to pitch properly. Yeah. They've got to learn how to make the information and the knowledge they have relevant 
mm. to the business that they're going into. And of course, they don't know much about that business yet because they're new. So you sort of get these situations where people are going round and round and the senior people get frustrated because they think the young ones are entitled mm. and not working hard enough like we used to work. Yeah. And then you get the young ones who are like, well, when I was interviewing for this job, you promised me that I'd be working on exciting projects and doing all this cool stuff. And this is not exciting. This is not what I signed up for, right? Yeah. So you get that dissolution. And then everyone in the middle, you know, everyone in sort of in the middle of the company is just getting on with all their work yeah. because there's so much work to do. So I just feel there's a unique perspective at both ends where if you could, if you could sort of, bring down some of these barriers mm. and if you could enhance the ability to communicate with each other plus teaching certain skills and all the rest of it you could really benefit the organization overall yeah absolutely and, and, and I want to just add to that as well is that I think from Hong Kong people in Hong Kong are so smart like yes. academically so smart always ranking top of the world so no matter what subject yep. you're in just always superstars in Hong Kong, and 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 I was never academically gifted in in any way uh, in in that imagination of the word. Uh, but I've always envied people from Hong Kong uh, who went through the education system here and made it all the way through to university, because even that is a huge step, and even that is not something that everyone can achieve. Um, yeah. And you know, I think what you said earlier is the communications. Um, what I often find sometimes is that people who are usually super smart, um, generalizing here, they may have, let's say, a, they may lack communication skills um, because they may have this picture in their head. They think maybe everyone else should know this basic common knowledge, but in fact, not everyone does. Um, so for example, AI, right? They might understand AI completely, but they also expect other people to know what AI is. Um, and that's kind of where that gap is uh, when it comes to communication. Um, and you're right, I think when I was f f speaking from more of a personal perspective, when I was younger, I used to be so angry at my parents. Like, why don't I understand, you know, this is what, who I am, this is what I do, da 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 da, -da. Um, And I never actually took the time to speak to them. Um, I was just so busy being angry, so busy, uh, you know, being a teenager, being being a kid. Um, and then, it's frustration, right? It's frust frustration, yeah. Exactly. And then once I actually, when I was a bit older, once I actually asked them questions of why don't you think this of me or why don't you do this or why why does this, you know, actually have a dialogue and have a conversation in a, in a constructive way, not just yelling matches, that was when we actually bonded more and that's actually when we actually yeah. got over some problems. And, and I truly think a lot of the times, personal life, career, whatever, you can all basically learn bits from, from all areas. And that's yeah. what I think... The, the, the wonderful thing that you do from an education perspective and, and all of that stuff, we keep talking about basically one topic, but I can see it being applied to schools, private life, workplace, you know, wherever it may be, and, and that's wonderful. At, at the end of the day, we are all humans trying to yes. deal with other humans, right? So we set up these structures around ourselves, you know, whether it's a business structure or a school structure or a home family structure, whatever we call it, we're still humans and we're going to clash because we, we have different emotions. We have different ways of handling issues. We, yeah, even if you brought different. in the same family, even if you brought in the same school, even if you're twins, you're bound yes. to have different ideas. Yes. And the things that create the, the difficulties are frankly not often the work. It's not the work. We all, you're right. Especially in a place like Hong Kong where everyone is so hardworking, it just gets on with the work. Mm. It's the, it's the emotion. It's the, 
anxiety or the the worry that you're not doing a good job or or, or the fear that you're not going to meet the target or, or whatever. You know, it's not all negative, obviously. There are lots of happy, good, positive emotions as well. But when the emotions get involved, that's what holds us back and that's what prevents us. It's that voice in our head that's saying, oh, I, I won't ask that question because it's probably really dumb or mm. I'm not going to... I'm not going to um, talk back to my yeah. boss because I've, I'm scared that I might lose my job or whatever it is. It's, it's all actually, it's based on emotion. It's our thoughts, yes. which as we said earlier, may be right or they actually may be wrong. So, so it really is, it, it, has to be, it has to be a movement towards recognising that we are humans at work or humans at school, trying to do the best we can. And that's the end of part one. Uh, This episode was so good that I decided to split up into two parts. And you can enjoy the remaining part two uh, in two weeks' time. See you then. Bye-bye. All right, episode is over. Thank you so, so much again for being part of this conversation, no matter how awkward the topic can be sometimes. Now, if you enjoyed the episode, I would like you just to help me with three tiny things. One is to just share this episode to who you might think would be useful too. Two is to go to wherever you listen to the podcast and give me a rating or a review. This will just help me to reach other people and spread the goodness of DEI. Now finally, the third and final thing I need you to help me with is to use what we discussed today in this episode and think of ways how you can also adopt the values of DEI in your workplace, in your business or in your everyday life. Now, if you'd like to share that with me and the audience, feel free to drop me a message. You can go to the show notes and find out how you can do that, including where you can find this week's guest. So, as always, thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next one.